Welcome back at Upon. For the review, it is a Monday morning. It is time to chat with Mike, Mike Youngbloods from Austin, Texas. Hoops Mike on Twitter, Instagram, and Tinder. Right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. You can find me right on there, I'm sure. Yeah. You're always uh, – you, do, you, do you do the uh, swipe left and right thing? I – you know, do, do we have to get into this? No, but, we don't. Know, we I don't. am a single man in his mid 30s, so I'm obligated to say yes. Okay. All right. Very good. Again, uh, Mike Youngblood, we're excited to be joined by Mike. Both of our teams are now out of the playoffs as we chat today. Mike, um, I'm sure you were surrounded by us. Uh, well, I, I don't know what you did during the Cowboys game, but uh, man, you're going to be surrounded by some Cowboys fans that are uh, very, very heartbroken here in the very near future. And seemingly somehow very used to it, too. Yes. So it was a very Dallas Cowboys way to end it, which is, yeah. I, I don't know how many people are going to be calling for Mike McCarthy's head here today, but I, I mm. think that when you just continually see that this is an undisciplined team that just had many issues with penalties, like not always is that reflective of the head coach, but it's generally, you know, we like to see those things as indicative of how well you're prepared and how disciplined you are from a coaching staff. So I'm going to be kind of curious to see if, if there's going to be any hits that fall from this. Yeah, I uh, I, I will – just to touch on that point really quick, I, uh, I agree with you that uh, definitely – undisciplined team penalties obviously I think they were first in the NFL but Mike McCarthy uh came from Green Bay where they were uh routinely one of the more disciplined teams in all of the uh, in all of the NFL and so I just kind of have I just wonder like is it is it more based on um the the actual is, is is it based on the franchise reputation like the Raiders for years and years and years where have always been one of the most penalized teams and they just had that reputation to get these penalties called on them maybe more so than the Packers would yeah then maybe this is reflective of just how things operate in general and the hype and the spotlights and the you know the glitz and glamour I think of being within that franchise and. Then you start pointing to Jerry Jones, and then we play in this weird game. Like, okay, it can't be just Jerry Jones's fault that you know that this team gets in so many weird different spots. But yeah, boy, they they gave you a little bit of hope towards the end, and thought that they might be able to drive down the field. And I don't actually dislike the Dak play because I think in theory it means okay, you get a little bit further ahead, you spike the ball, you give yourself a good chance. But mm. the execution of that and what. Uh, the, the official interfering while they're trying to spot the ball is a very hairy spot that I wonder if the league kind of looks at and goes, maybe there's a better way to do this in late game situations. Yeah, that was uh, I, I, you know, I'm I'm with you. I don't think it was like horrific, like a lot of people are kind of calling it. But I do, I would say like, hey, 14 seconds, let's have two shots to the end zone rather than just what they were going for was one. Yeah, and, and these are the decisions that are going to screw it. I'm not saying Mike McCarthy should be. It's his fault or, or anything like that. But knowing in the kind of reactive culture, it's like it's going to be a question that comes up. Yeah, and yeah there, there's so much more that if the Cowboys had gotten off to a faster start, that, you know, they had all their offensive pieces 100%, you know, that does this game work out a little bit differently. But, uh, that's, yeah, uh, that, that's a, uh, that one stinks. Right, exactly. It really does, and I I will say this: like I'm okay. I'm I'm not calling for Mike McCarthy's head, uh, Kellen Moore's anybody's head, but I'm okay if they're if they're all gone. I really don't. That's that's fine because uh, they came out and uh, did not play uh, the way you would expect a playoff team to play at home. And and, and really uh, overall, when I look at uh, like Mike McCarthy 
in his comments here over the last several weeks aims aimed towards officiating and and many of the players some of the leaders of the team aim towards officiating which I that I totally get I mean like but th- I'm a fan here I, and that's my job I'm supposed to complain about the officiating not it, it, coaches and players are supposed to be focusing on that stuff yeah yeah it's all right for you to be emotional and to, to get freaked out and just go what but you know, I, I think if it becomes too much of a point of emphasis, then all of a sudden you're getting into kind of victim mode, and that's not always the probably the ideal approach that you want to take. Whether or not it affected them or not, I'm sure that there there's been many weird things about watching this team week after week this year that you know it didn't inspire a ton of confidence coming to the playoffs. You, you wondered how fully healthy Doc was, and not having Gallup there, that they just didn't. It didn't feel like rhythmically like that offense knew exactly what it was and where its strengths were and you know how to efficiently spread the ball around. So mm-hmm. it's ugh, it's just weird watching this team week to week. And yeah. fortunately, it's not going to have to. But yeah, Kellen Moore, uh, not the boy wonder. I, I mean, at this point, there's a good ch- there's a chance that he could be one of the great. Uh, uh, offensive play callers, one of the great uh, head coaches of all time. But if uh, the Vikings, you guys want to hire him, whoever wants to hire him, that's fine. You can go ahead and take him away. Uh, I, I really don't want to lose Dan Quinn, frankly. I mean, I, I'd love for Dan Quinn to stay, stick around. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of guys that we're seeing are perfect in coordinator role, but we're in college coaching now and NFL coaching, like the, the head coach is really the CEO. Like he's Dipping his has been in a lot of different sides of the organization and bring about leadership and communication, which is one reason my black Zimmer was out the door was a culture of fear. So, I mean, there are probably a ton of guys that a are a plus coordinators, but once you put them in the role, they have to facilitate and have to hire guys to, to be your offensive and defensive coordinators. Like that, that's a different skill in and of itself. So, I, I would probably hope to just want to bring back all three. Maybe Kellen Moore gets hired by somebody, but I can't imagine this past weekend's a roaring endorsement. No, but yeah, the last half of the season or so really, really, really struggled to maintain that rhythm uh, that he had early in the year. We're talking with Mike Youngblood on a Monday with Mike, as we always do. Mike, uh, Chris Vanini completely uh, nailed this uh, with a tweet. On Sunday night, 8.52 p.m. Central Time, the NFL expanding its playoff field created more stakes and drama at the end of the regular season, giving hope to more fan bases. It's also led to some lopsided playoff scores. College football already has the second part. Playoff expansion would help the first part. That's the argument. And he just nailed it. What I wanted to say to you, but he put it in better words than I would have said it, I just feel like if we create higher stakes throughout the entire season where the conference champion, the winner of the conference championship game, is automatically in the college football playoff, every single game takes on bigger stakes, especially late in the year. Yeah, and trying to think of ideas of things that could help improve college football. It's like I also think, during the non-conference portion of the season, if you can find a way to incentivize more teams to, you know, take on tougher games, so that instead of your Louisiana Monroe's and uh, Mercers of the world that you get that are just guaranteed games, like you know, if, if there is less of an obstacle course to have to get through to get to the postseason, then all of a sudden we're we're talking about really intriguing non-conference games. That I think 
enhances the, the drama of the season, too. So, I, yeah, I, playoff expansion, it's one of those things where, like, you're going to add one thing, but it's going to take away from another thing. So, mm-hmm. that, that seems to be the thing that halts any progress on that. So, what you are saying here, correct me if I'm wrong, that um, the... The if we were if there was a, a way if it was if, if the conference champion was an automatic bid, you think that would lend itself to more major non-conference games because as it is now, college football playoff committee, what do they first look at? They look at that uh, the number to the right of your win-loss record, and if it's more than one, well, you just can't get in. Well, unless you're Alabama, uh, but. Uh, but what we're saying is a loss doesn't kill you; it it, it strengthens you to some extent, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think it creates this. You could make an argument too that you would help your seeding out and the great if you're going say like one to twelve or one to fourteen. That like if you're Penn State and you've assembled in a massive amount of number of of out of conference games that look pretty good on the schedule, and maybe you lose to Ohio State or something, then you can kind of create an argument that well, we only lost two and we played some tough teams where. You know, the Colorado School of Mines was not a quality opponent on Division One. No disrespect so, to them, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure a fantastic school. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, perfect. Well, yeah, I, I just think we just got to take this thing out of the hands, away from the people just uh, using these uh, subjective whatever they're doing to choose these teams and have it where if you win something – that's how you get in. Anyway, let's go to the NBA here. Klay Thompson is back. He uh, made his debut against the Cavaliers, scored 17 points. They won that game, followed that up with a loss to Memphis, lost to Milwaukee, rolled Chicago, and then lost at Minnesota. Shout out to the Timberwolves. But Klay Thompson is back. I don't know that he's played in all those games, but overall, I'm just happy that he's back because Klay Thompson, to me, just from what I can see, is a, is a fantastic human being and uh, an, an unbelievable two-way player, obviously. Uh, one of the greatest, I think he might be the greatest 3 and D player of all time. It's just it's just good good thing, good to have him back in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. It's much more fun, for obviously, for the, the league's most popular team to have one of the most likable stars back and you know, hopefully for the sake of the rest of the league, Kawhi might come back this year, Jamal Murray might come back, so this might ignite the West a little bit more to make it a little bit more compelling than what it is right now, where it's, it's really the biggest story is John Morant and the Grizz just continue yes. to win games. But, you know, Clay is such a floor raiser for them that once he starts to uh, shake the minutes restriction, I think he'll feel his impact a little bit more. I tried to watch a little bit of that, that Timberwolves game tonight, and... You could tell, still kind of working himself back into into rhythm and game shape, and you know he's he's got a bunch of different teammates that that this bench has, has assembled here that he's now got to learn to to work off of. But much more fun with Clay involved, and um, but yeah, there, there's no downside to it. Their defense overly gives them more flexibility to have different lineups when Steph Curry's out. That. It, it raises their floor significantly. So I'm happy to see Clay back. At least better with them out there. Yeah, you said Jaws the biggest story. Uh, even bigger than uh, the Lakers being uh, a, a complete disaster? I mean, if you want to look for positive stories, <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. But if it's the Somebody biggest story, that, that, that train wreck there. But uh, on the positive side, it's Jaws. On the negative side, it's, it's the, the Lakers continuing to just try to look like a 500 team, and it's 
been pretty shaky. Yeah, every time it seems like they got a little something figured out, a new little wrinkle comes their way, and then they got to try to figure that out. And really, hey, honestly, first time this year on Saturday they played the Nuggets, and I was like, nah, and then th- that I was available to watch. I was like, eh, I'm not gonna watch that thing. I'll catch it. I'll catch the box score. First time all year. Uh, game number forty three. So I, I think you should give me a little credit for for uh, lasting that long after what's been going I on. I mean, with this they're, team. They're, yeah, they're, they're not been pretty to watch, and especially without Davis too. Oh, it's yeah. just it just really takes the teeth out of a team that is still trying to figure out what its best lineup is, and doesn't appear to be any immediate answer. So unless there's a really creative trade in the books or they travel back in time and re-signed Alex Caruso. Mm. Uh, it's going to continue to, to, to be uh, pretty tough to watch. Yeah, it's uh, not going well. Mike K., we appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thanks for uh, just, uh, um, you know, now, let me pour my feelings out here on a on a Sunday you know, night. I, and I, I hope you try have to a, be a good friend yeah. too. It's, it's tough being a Cowboys fan. I'm a Vikings <laughs> fan, so it's not quite the same pain. But I, I understand what it's like to be disappointed and expect to be disappointed. Right, uh, Mike. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. You too, man. Mondays with Mike on Upon Further Review.